Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Well, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's still going on in our household. We've still got one more, one more dinner. I'm trying to get them all in as long as I can before I get restricted again. <laughs> this morning we, we we got something special. We're gonna gonna uh, kind of continue in a not kind of, but we're gonna continue in our Galatians theme. Hopefully you're taking your family through these books as we're providing the information. Uh, this there on your seat. If you need another copy, uh, we're gonna actually be doing Ephesians this coming week. We want you to participate without guilt and without religion, but we do want you to participate. Figure out a way that you can make this work for your family. We want to get you off of what you've always been doing and make you successful in getting into the Word of God. That's what the goal is, uh, not to impose guilt, but to impose growth. Amen? Uh, This morning, uh, I've asked Mac to come give his testimony. In Galatians, Paul is writing to the church in the region, and as he writes to more than one location, he's writing about a common theme that we saw in in that time in that region that we still see today. And that is the idea that you, you, you get into religion versus freedom. We sang this morning about freedom and how Jesus sets us free, right? Say that with me. Freedom. Freedom. I'm free. free. We're free in Christ. And what he does is is he he really comes against some of the common things. And I think what I'll probably do is is, uh, in the the future weeks is preach on this freedom that Paul is talking about in Galatians because I think it matters so much in the church. But he says we're free in Christ because we, we come to a realization, a proper realization of who God is, who he says he is, and who he says we are. And what actually has the ability to transform us, and that is Jesus and only Jesus. That's what Paul is talking about in the book of Galatians and how we try to pervert that quickly and what our tendency as religious groups are to pervert that or to change the the uh, the gospel and and come up with a false gospel. Um, as we take that into account, I just want to encourage you with some news that I've been getting a lot of, and I just want to let you know of what kind of day we're living in, and that is there uh, the there are many traditional denominations who are moving from a theological perspective of sensationalism to cessationalism where they they believe that the gifts the miraculous gifts has ceased to a place where they believe in the baptism of the holy spirit again because their people are having encounters with the holy spirit that are absolutely unexplainable there's an outpouring of the holy spirit that's coming across the church no matter what your denomination that's going to do incredible things through the most trying times so he's available to the church large denominations 
That's good. That's good news. God's doing a work. And it is a work of freedom. And it's, a, it's an absence of religion. Mike Dry, uh, just a few uh, weeks ago, went on a 60-day journey. I think it was about 60 days. It was somewhere around in there. Called the 18-inch journey. And he went to the Helser's camp where he focused on learning who he was in Christ, learning who his God was, who his Father was, learning who he was in Christ, and, and taking it from the 18 inches from the mind to the heart. Now, I know I'm stealing this testimony, but I want to give you a reason why. Because there's freedom that comes from knowing who you are and who your God is that you only get to by the Spirit. There's no other way to get to it other than the Spirit of God, other than in a personal encounter. That's why somebody else's relationship with Christ can only drive you toward him and not help you do it yourself. You've got to have your own encounter with God. Yes? Mac had one. I want him to tell us about it. Why don't you give Mac Dry a round of applause as he comes? I've got some uh, <clears throat> bullet points here just to keep me on track. Um, cool. So like you said, uh, the 18-inch journey is literally the process of taking a head perspective of the Lord and moving it to a heart perspective. Um, and so an example of a head perspective is um, Adam in the garden. Um, and when he sinned, his reaction was to run away and hide, um, which I still see today. And so I look at that as a head perspective. He knew the Lord, he walked with him, but he, if he would have really known what that meant in the moment, what was really coming, he would have responded a little bit different. And so a heart perspective response looks a lot like um, Peter. He denies Jesus three times, and he runs away. But the moment he sees Jesus standing off into the shore, he swims to him. No longer thinking about what he'd done wrong, what he was doing, what he was wearing. He literally swam across the ocean, not the ocean, but the lake, to Jesus. And that was a heart response because he knew Jesus, and he knew that none of that mattered. And so the 18th journey was taking what I was familiar with and moving it to fascination. I think the key, I love that we're doing this family thing. Um, I've been gone for two months. I had no idea about it. Um, but you're getting in the word. And I've, I've just talked to people, not here, but here, but all over that just like, hey, man, what you been reading? Uh, I don't really read too much. Uh, why? I don't know, man. It's just not... I don't know. It's a, it's a tough book. And it is. But my problem was I had gotten to, I, I had become more interested in what God had to offer me than, than our relationship. Now, it's not, it's not 100% of the time, but I realized that um, I was seeking the Lord for wisdom. I wanted to him to tell me something that's really cool, awesome thing so I could share it with people around me. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but that was above just me spending time with Jesus and me spending time just because I love him. But I was seeking him just to hear what he had to say. Um, and so learning that he is more interested in my interaction and not information. He, he literally is such a good God. He wants to just come and sit with you and not, not give you information, but interact with you and just come face to face and just, hey, how was your day? Can you imagine a God that literally just wants to be a part of your day? 
That's, that's who he is. He is so kind. He is so good. He wants to be invited. He wants to be a part of your day. And so I'm just going to pray real quick. Um, Father, will you soften our hearts, position us to receive what you have for us this morning. I invite you, Holy Spirit. I know you're in the room. I invite you to be a part of this. I invite you to be a part of what I'm sharing on the stage with me side by side. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, basically, in the last 60 days, I have moved from familiar to fascination. The definition of fascination is to draw irresistibly the attention and interest of someone. I have been drawn, and I cannot resist this, this just attention that the Lord gives me. I see it in him. I see it in the gospel. I'm no longer familiar with the gospel. I can stand here and tell you I have no idea. I'm not even scratching the surface on this story. This is like the greatest book I've ever read. It's so good, and I'm not familiar with it. I'm moving from fascination to fascination. I am blown away with this book. Amen. Um, <laughs> other words that would be used for fascination is absorb engage, attract, and draw. Um, when, I, I know there's a verse that talked about when, when you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And I think the key to drawing near to Jesus is becoming fascinated. You have to be fascinated with who he is and what his story is. Once you begin to become fascinated, then you'll begin to naturally draw close to him and he draws near to you because he's fascinated in you. And so I, I experienced that on the journey, just, just allowing him to be fascinated with who I am, not seeking him for his wisdom, but just learning and reading the story from a fascination standpoint. I can't believe you said that. Why did you do that? Did you have to spit in the mud? Why did you do that? Why don't you do that again? There's no formula. It's like... I, I can read this over and over again, and it's never the same. There's no formula to it. And so, I just that, that blew me away. And, and getting to the point where I no longer read this book to get a formula, or get what to do, where to go, how to do this, but reading it because this is just such a good book. Um, and so, before the journey, about a week before I left, um, I was sitting on my front porch, and the Lord just kind of de began to define the word love for me, which it's a big word. It's out there. I love pizza. I love people. Love is thrown around all over the place. But love, he, just, he said there's two sides of love. You can give love to someone. You can love someone. And I'm really good at that. He said, Mac, you love people. You know how to love. You know how to give it to people. But there's another side of love that you're not familiar with. And it's receiving love. You have to give love, but you also have to turn around and, and receive it. And so the Lord was just like, I'm going to take you through a season of learning how to receive. And that's all you have to do, just learn how to receive. And I was like, yes, <laughs> finally, an easy season. All I have to do is just receive. Perfect. This is awesome. It was so tough. <laughs> it was, it was not easy. I was like, man, this is going to be 
smooth, and it wasn't. <laughs> so the definition of receive is to be given, paid, to hear, to learn, discover, or to be visited by. And I could confidently say all of those happened on the journey. I was heard, I was visited by, I was seen, I was paid, like my inheritance had been paid to me. I received so much, and I, had, I got to learn how to do it. Day by day, softening my heart, opening it up and allowing it to receive what was around me, what the Lord was doing, and everything. My mother once told me that your heart is like a sponge. If you don't allow water to get into the sponge, it dries up, it gets hard, it gets like disgusting, and you end up throwing it away. But a, a sponge that you use correctly, it absorbs the water, stays like soft in a way. I was going to say moist, but that's not the right word. It is, but I don't want to say it. And I said it. Um, <laughs> um, if you're using a sponge correctly, it can be used to clean dirty dishes. Dirty anything can be used to clean. I think that's the purpose of the heart, is if you keep it soft, willing to receive, you can use it to be an example and clean those around you that are, that are dirty and can't even know. So... Um, I was telling the, um, the people on Monday night that we were singing Reckless Love that Sunday when I got back. And no wall, you won't kick down. Lie, you won't tear down. You're coming after me. It's the exact definition of what the journey was for me. Um, I literally experienced the Lord. I just felt like I watched him violently chase after me. No wall could keep him back. No lie could keep him bound. He was coming after me, and nothing was going to stop him, and I got to watch it, and it wrecked me. <laughs> um, and so I'll just, I'll just be um, real with you and just share some of the lies that I was holding on to and some of the strongholds that had me um, gripped. And I want to just point out, like, 2017 has been a year of victory for me. Um, so going into this journey... I was what I thought at like my greatest point. Like I, I'm like I'm good. Like this is this makes sense. The Lord wants me here because I'm doing so good. And so I I get there and they're like, Hey, stop stop performing. I was like, What What does that mean? <laughs> like you you don't have to like you don't have to prove anything. Like you don't have to perform. Oh. What and it was like making me so mad. I was like, I don't. I want you like. You you can't earn this. This is the gift. We're gonna give this to you. And I was like, and it made me so mad because my entire life I spent everything, every motive, every intention that I had, I spent it trying to prove that I was worth it, trying to prove and perform that I can do it. And I finally got to a place where. I wasn't allowed to do that. And I had to get really vulnerable and really real with myself. Well, if I can't perform, what, like, what do I do? And, and there was, the Lord was just like, I want you to receive. When you're not worried about proving yourself or performing that you can do it, when you're not worried about, I can do this, I can do this, I don't need help. When you're not worried about any of that, and you're soft and willing to receive, the Lord has so much that he wants to give you. And so when you're moving from familiar to fascination and you remain soft and willing to receive, the Lord just 
doesn't hold anything back. There's nothing that can keep him from getting to your heart. So, some of the lies that I was believing is, um, this, like, the funny thing about lies is they, they can be whole lies, like 100% wrong, or they can be 99% truth and 5% lie and 5% crap. And so, it, it, it just, you have to be careful with what you're believing because is it partially true? And I don't know what this means right here, but I know this is true. And so, one of the first lies I was believing is God is picky. And that's a lie. I'm going to be right here. That's a lie. God is not picky. But like 10% of my heart was believing that me standing here being partially deaf, when I saw somebody get healed, where's my miracle, Lord? Why, why'd you pick them? You know, like that was a part of me that I wasn't believing every day, but every once in a while, you know, that, those thoughts happen, you know? And so that led to me believing that God picks and chooses who gets miracles. And the Lord, I had leaders, and, and the Lord just walked me through this whole thing of, that's not who I am. I'm going to, and, and the Lord is so gentle and so kind in these moments. He's like, I, I want to trade you that for what I really am. And so I, I just began to, uh, they, they taught us how to uh, just take a moment, sit down, and write down your honest prayer. Like, dirty, muddy, nasty prayer. Pray it to the Lord. Like, he's not scared of your questions. He's not scared of what you have to say. Like, being comfortable to write whatever you want to the Lord is a great place to be. And so I, I wrote down just this honest prayer about my healing and my ears and where I was at. And then they said, okay, now give, give a space for the Lord to speak and journal what he said. So I just, I just, okay, Lord, what do you want to say? I just started writing whatever I was hearing. And so um, just, just to be uh, clear one second, the, the definition of picky is hard to please or over-demanding and fussy. Now it doesn't seem like, now. that's definitely not the Lord. He's not over-demanding, he's not fussy, and he's definitely not hard to please. And so, um, so I began to write the, the Lord's voice, and he was speaking to me, and one of the things that he said is, it was so simple, like, so he's going to trade picky for something that he really is. He said, I'm going to give you my faithfulness. I'm going to show you that I'm reliable. You can lean on me, and I'm going to come through every time. I'm going to give you my faithfulness. And I'm going to give you this too. He says, there is no amount of success or failure that can remove you from my drop zone and blessing and healing. The Lord has me in this drop zone of blessing and healing, and it's just pouring out, and I can't do anything to get out of it. No amount of success, no amount of failure can remove me from it. And that, that's the gospel. That's what he did on the cross to get you somewhere where you can't do anything to get out. And it's blessing, it's success, it's, and no matter what you do, you, you're going to be healed, you're going to be blessed, because he puts you there. And that is why the enemy is powerless, because he can't move you from there. He can talk a good game, he can talk a good talk, he can get you thinking whatever you want, but you can't be moved from there. And so that was a personal word that the Lord gave me, and... It's just been really, really fun the last couple of weeks to put that into action. And um, that, I, I tell you what, the last two weeks I've been home have just been so fun because I felt like the journey for me was a locker room. Um, 
So, like, I was down 30 points in my life and had no plan or energy to make a comeback. And, and so I go into this locker room, the farm, and I was met by players and coaches that just were out there on the field with me and um, just understood and were willing to slow down and move me around. Okay, you can't play on this side of the field. Let's move you to this side. Now I'm using a, a sports analogy, but, like, I was really met by these people that, they just seek to understand. And they, they were so good at what they did. And I heard a definition of seeking. It changed my life. And um, so when you, when you go, you make a plan. Where's Chris at? Is he in here? I made a plan to, to go have coffee with Chris uh, yesterday. And I didn't go. But that doesn't matter. But the plan is, I was, supposed to, I was supposed to go have coffee with him. And we rescheduled. But if Chris is at Rocky River Coffee... And I walk in, I know he's there. So what you do when you seek is you know, I know he's there, and I look for him. There he is. You seek when you know someone is there. So I was seeking out Chris. I wasn't looking for him, but I was seeking him out because I knew he was there. That's what it means to seek the Lord. You know he's there, but you got to find him in the room. Where is he at? Where does he want you to be? That is what seeking the Lord looks like. And so that's just a bonus. But um, uh, another, so apart, like kind of below that, that was kind of the surface lie that I was believing. Like the reason I believe that is because I didn't believe my own worth. I didn't believe I was worth that miracle. So I made like a fight with the Lord, like, why didn't I get that? But I'm sitting here thinking, I don't deserve that. And so, so I had to come face to face with this lie that, that I wasn't good enough, like that I, that I wasn't accepted or approved by the Lord to even receive that. Like I had to work to get there. I had to work to earn that. Like I had to, I had to earn my blessing, earn my miracles, which isn't true because all the, all the battle, all the, all the fight, all the war, it's done. It's over. It's yours. You have to receive it. And so, um, so this, this lie that I was believing is I'm, I'm not accepted. Why? And I remember writing this down, or just writing my honest prayer in the moment, like tears dripping onto the page, snot, I can't breathe. And, and, and I just wrote this question, why do I always have to be right? Like, why do I always have to prove that I can do it? And those are honest questions that you ask yourself. And the coolest thing is in that moment, the Lord met me and said, Mac, I want to stamp you with my approval. You are accepted. You have my acceptance. There is an inheritance that I want to transfer into your life. Will you receive it? And it, and it was just this really cool moment of I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to, okay, I'm going to worship you for 55 minutes. I'm going to go read my word. I just had to, Lord, I want that. I receive that. And just like this intimate moment where I felt the Lord just stamp my heart with his approval, and like this seal that you see on the back of a wax sealed stamp. And, and it just like, it was perfect. It was awesome. So, so that's a really cool moment to have from the Lord. But when you get up, if it, if it means anything, you're going to see the outcome of what that does. And, and so I had this moment with the Lord and like literally, I, I, so I had this one-on-one doing lunch. Um, and I had this moment with the Lord, snot tears, like can't breathe, no toilet paper to blow my nose. And so I go to the bathroom and we had a small group, like a meeting. 
and I had to go there. So I literally got to have this moment with the Lord and go interact with people. And I saw the difference, like, immediately. Like, I was no longer seeking to tell people about myself or about what the Lord had done in me. Like, I wasn't, like, here's what, look at the wisdom that the Lord given me. Like, it was, I was no longer looking for approval, looking for my approval and everybody around me. And I noticed that I was doing that. Like, I would go talk to people, and I would, I would be doing it, hey, do you accept me? Like, I'm pretty cool, right? You, you accept me, right? You, I don't have to prove anything, you know? And there was a freedom that came from that where I don't have to, I don't have to prove anything to you. God has stamped my heart with his approval, and that authority runs throughout all the earth. And I don't have to prove it anywhere else because you're going to see it. Amen. And so, <laughs> and so that changed my conversation toward people in general. Like, I'm not there trying to prove anything. I'm there, I'm, it's finally out of the way where I can finally just love them for who they are, and I can love myself for who I am. It's, so, um, so I, I just had this moment. We were worshiping one night, and I was talking to the Lord. And in the moment, I just wrote down, performance, I divorce you. And, like, and I, and I loved it because, I, like, I, in my mind, I had received this letter of acceptance. And it was in this letter with a wax seal stamp with his seal on it. And inside the letter was my acceptance letter, but also divorce papers that I had to fill out for performance. And it was just this really cool imagery that Lord gave me. And, like signing those papers and saying performance I'm done with you I don't have to I don't have to prove anything I can't earn this like I all I have to do is receive like can you imagine like me giving you a gift like it's holiday time perfect I'll do this um so for Christmas you get like this super awesome surfboard and it's like 500 bucks but someone bought it for you and they're giving you a surfboard and you're like dude this is awesome where'd you buy it I bought it at Kmart no, yeah, let's do Kmart. You bought, you bought your sword, surfboard at Kmart. And, oh, cool, all right. So the next day, you go to Kmart and you try to buy it, the gift that you have. Hey, I, someone got me this gift and I want to buy it. That's what we do. That's what we do with the Lord is he tries to give you stuff and you try to earn it and you try to buy it with what you have and it just doesn't work that way. Like, you can't buy, you can't prove, and you can't earn what the Lord's trying to give you. If you'll just soften your heart and receive it, you won't waste that much time trying to buy it in the first place, and you won't, <laughs> you'll, you'll be able to use it. You should be out surfing the next day, not trying to buy it. <laughs> uh, and so we, they, um, this was a new thing that they did this year, but they put posters all over the, uh, the farm, um, and like these nice frames, and one of them said, my neediness is my honor and not my shame. And I walked by it every day, um, and we had cleaning duties, and we had to go in there and clean the, the cabinets and, and the dorm and everything, and it was just right there. It was just a huge one. And I read it like every, every, like three or four times a week, my neediness is not my shame, it's my honor. And learning that in my, when I'm receiving the Lord, learning to, to need that and lean on that. And it's not, my, it's, like, it's not my shame to need the Lord or to need people in my life. It's my honor. It's an honor to need the Lord. It's an honor to be in a place where 
Lord, I need you to pay these bills. Lord, I need you to help me make this decision. You know? And my neediness is my honor, not my shame. And so another lie that I was believing is that um, this was early in the journey. I just remember like, man, I'm afraid I'm going to miss it. Like the Lord got me this great gift. I'm here. Like nothing can take me away from here. But what if I miss it? What if I miss what the Lord has for me? And I'll tell you, it's, an, it's like it's a super cool tool to just sit there and be honest with the Lord. If, if you'll write those prayers down and allow the Lord to speak, and then you go back a week later and you read that, it's, it's powerful, man. It's, it's, an, it's a whole nother game when you can go back and look what the Lord said to me when I was dealing with this. And so, um, so I, was, I, was, I was afraid that I was going to miss what the Lord was going to say, and I, wrote, I just wrote my honest prayer, and the Lord said, you won't miss what I have in store for you. Like, I can stop there. That is enough. When, when the Lord of the universe says, you're not going to miss it, you're right. I'm just going to receive. I'm, I'm going to be open. I'm going to receive what you have for me. And he said, if you'll say stop, soft and willing, you will receive. You'll receive what I have in store for you, and you can't miss it. Because I'm, I'm like, like he's good. He's kind. If we really believe that he is a good, generous, kind God, he's not going to allow us to miss it. Like, he's not going to, oh, there he goes. He missed, he missed it. There's a quarter right there. You know, like, he doesn't do that. Like, he gets our attention. Like, hey, he is fascinated with us. He draws us near like, hey, I've got something for you. And I, you can't miss it. It's going to be awesome. And so, um, and, and I, and that, was, that was a lie that I was believing that I, that, I, that I would spend the next 60 days missing what the Lord had for me. And I didn't miss it because he wouldn't let me. I stayed open, I stayed willing, and I received what he had for me. And it was life-changing. So one of the things I had to deal with that, when, when, you, when you allow the Lord to speak and you don't miss it, he starts dealing with stuff in your heart, like all these lies I've had to deal with. And I just felt like I had, I had to work up all this compassion to give it to people. Like it wasn't flowing naturally. Like I had to, like I had to do some extra stuff just to have compassion on some people. And the Lord was like, you don't have to do that. Like all, all you have to do is just stop judging them. Oh. And so I was like, so I can't have compassion on someone because I'm judging them? What, what, what does it mean to judge somebody? So I looked it up, and it, <laughs> it's, a, it's an opinion or a conclusion. You have a thought about someone, and you conclude it like, that's their story. Boom. And, you, and off that conclusion, you judge them. And so just being able to look at someone and, man, that's, that's, not, that's not the end of their story. I can't say that about them. I don't know them. And so judgment, when you have that judgment on someone, it kills compassion. It kills the opportunity to have compassion on them. And so I, I had to walk through, I had 60 days to do this. It was amazing. So I walked through this, this process of learning how to remove judgment from someone and practice compassion. 
And it was really fun because I was also learning how to soften my heart and receive, also learning that I don't have to prove myself to have a conversation with someone. And then, all in that, learning not to, to take one action that they've done or a couple words they said and judge them, their entire character off of that. And so when you remove judgment from somebody, you are replacing it with um, compassion, which is a concern for the suffering or misfortune of others. Like coming into agreement, like I understand what you're going through. And let me tell you this, when you come up to someone and say, I understand what you're going through, man. That isn't, like, sometimes you don't. Like, sometimes you have no idea what they're going through. And sometimes that's just, that just that's one of those things that just comes out. Like, I understand what you're going through. When some, like, I've done that. I know what you're going through, man. When I have no idea what they're going through. And so, like, we have to be, like, we have to stop. Huh. Lord, what does this compassion look like for them? And then you may not understand, but you can feel their pain. Hey man, I just want to come beside you, and I just want to, I just want to help you in any way. Um, and so, one of the things that they pointed out was forgiveness without compassion is fruitless. So, when, when you try to forgive somebody without compassion, it's incomplete. Like, it doesn't last. Like, forgiveness without the, like, I, like the feeling of what they're going through, forgiveness... It's just incomplete. Like, it can go as far as it wants, but it's just, it's not going to be complete until you can have compassion on them. And so, the other way around, compassion without forgiveness only goes so far. Compassion is real. But if you haven't forgiven that person and you're having compassion on them, that compassion is only going to go so far until it runs out. Because now you're, you're stuck on this fact that I didn't forgive them for what they did. So, compassion and forgiveness go hand in hand, and they work together and they're really powerful when they're, in, when they're together. And so, uh, just, so I've learned, these are just all the things that I've learned. And these, these are just things that I got to practice every day while I was there. And I was just given the permission to be a 22-year-old. Like, I, I didn't have to be anything more, anything less. I could mess up. I could like, do really well. And it, like... It was just an open field to do, be and do whatever I want. And then if I messed up, I had people there to like, hey, what, like what was going on right there? Like, why'd you do that? Which is kind of scary, but like it was good to have that. Correction is like my strongest tool because I don't know when I'm messing up half the time, you know? And so if you can have someone say, hey, that wasn't like the best thing to do. Thank you. I didn't really, wasn't even paying attention there. And so I'll, I'll, um, I'll close with this. Um, Graham Cook shared a, um, an incredible message, and he had this dream that, that he, was, uh, he was in this castle, and he was looking out the window into like, this Kansas City grass that was blowing in the, in, in the wind, and, and over the hill come Jesus. And, you know, we have this picture of beautiful Jesus. And, but in his dream, he was like, Jesus was just like, <clears throat> like mad. And he's like, what? What is this? And Jesus, like, he starts stomping through the grass. And he, and he, and he just stomps all the way to the, the castle. And, like, Graham's, like, backing up, like, uh-uh, I don't want to deal with this. That, he looked mad. And so he can hear Jesus stomping up the steps 
all the way to the door, and the door swings open. And he's just standing there like this. And Jesus says, Graham, give it back. It's mine. What are you talking about? It's mine. I paid for it, and you can't have it. Give it to me. Jesus, I don't don't know what you're talking about. It's mine. Give it to me. I paid for it. Give it to me. And he 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 said, in his dream, he started crying. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, everything I paid for on the cross, it's mine. All that negativity, you can't have it. All that pain, depression, anxiety, that's mine. I paid for that. You can't have it. And Jesus, what? You can't have it. I paid for that. It's mine. Give it to me. I have something instead. And so Isaiah 51 has this incredible passage where it just goes through and it just says, I'm going to give you this instead of this. In one passage it says, instead of shame, I'm going to give you a double portion of honor. And so we have an incredible instead kind of God who, who sees what you have and sees what you're dealing with and says, I have something instead that I want to give you. And we just got to be willing to, you're right, what do you, have in, what do you have instead? And he gives it to you, double portion. And so, um, he's, Dram Cook said that for every negative, there is an instead right next to it. For everything you're dealing with, for everything that is just not making sense, there's an instead right next to it. And so, just coming face to face with an instead kind of God that can look at my circumstances and say, that's bad, but I have this for you. Like, that's good. Like, you're not going to do bad with that, but I have this for you, and it's better, double portion. And so, just learning to slow down. Take every moment for, for what it is. Look for the instead. Look at people. Look them in the eyes and say, hey, you matter. I'm not trying to prove anything. I just want to be with you. And just like learning that people are people. And we're all, we're all trying to do our very best. And just having that compassion and say, I've noticed and I see that you're doing your very best. And I just want to come beside you and help you do better. I'm doing my best too. Let's do our best together. So I'm going to pray and uh, we'll go from there. Father, you are so, so good. You're the kindest man I've ever met. You care about me. You look at me like I matter. You hear me. You make me feel heard. You give me your attention. You are fascinated with me. And today I just choose to draw near. I I choose to draw near to you because I'm fascinated in all that you are. The last verse of John says that if all that Jesus did was written down, the world couldn't contain the books. Like, I want to read those books, Jesus. I am fascinated that all that you did in 40 days, could the world couldn't contain it if it were written down. And I want to become fascinated again, Father. I want to move from familiar to fascinated. I don't want to keep looking at people like I do. I want to see them like you do. And you are an incredible instead kind of God, and you are willing to work with me on that. 
thank you for offering an instead. I choose to take a part of it. I choose to, to take it for what it is, and I, I trade you for what I'm dealing with. And I give you this instead. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you give us all the time in the world. You're such a generous God, a good giver. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.